What did you do yesterday? For a number of folk in our congregation, Saturdays we went coffee mornings here. Maybe people used Saturdays generally to visit relatives. Some of you would use Saturdays for a, an outing to the shops. Sports lovers would maybe have matches or games to take part in or to enjoy. But not yesterday. No gatherings, no outings, no events. It was, like the past few Saturdays, a strange one. But also yesterday was Easter Saturday. Sandwiched between the all too horrible but yet marvelous events of Good Friday, between that and the glorious awakening and announcement of the gospel triumph as Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, between that Friday and Sunday comes Easter Saturday. A kind of waiting day. Uh, nothing very much happens today, day. Well, some of us are finding that they have far too many days like that just now. With all the restrictions of lockdown, quite a few days might feel like Easter Saturday for many of us. And we wait for the release. We wait for the freedom from COVID-19, for the fear to be taken away, the freedom restored, the way open to a fuller life. Actually, all of these quite typical Easter themes. But whatever is the Christian response to where we find ourselves, simply waiting for time to pass is not an option. Waiting and inactivity, longing for change but not giving ourselves to seeking change are not gospel responses to anything at all. They are not what Easter people are called to do. So how do we live Easter? How do we live Easter Sunday in the waiting time? The time when things are or when things seem to be on us, on top of us. On the Saturday. Which is it? Saturday, Sunday? Well, the first day of the week. In John chapter 20, the second of our readings and the shorter of our readings, in John chapter 20, there are two episodes. In the first of these, Jesus meets Mary in the garden outside the tomb. And in the second, Jesus appears later on to the disciples. And that episode, that part is repeated again a week later when Jesus comes to them again when Thomas is present. And both of these episodes begin with a reference, verse 1 and verse 19, to the first day of the week. John does that quite a lot in his gospel. He gives you a, a little bit of detail, and he's not giving you just a bit of information. He's actually saying something much more. And so it is in John chapter 20 with these two references to the first day of the week. John is not simply saying, oh, by the way, it was Sunday. The first day of the week has connections back, and we will understand it better if we can first of all recall how John's gospel began. Do you remember? John chapter 1, verse 1. 
In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, which of course echoes back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And John then followed up that connection in chapter 1 in these early verses when he talked about light and life. Here, John is announcing, here is the story of how creation is to be renewed. Here is a story that's not a new story, it's picking up on that one story that begins with creation. Here is the story of how all the wrong done by sin is going to be undone. Here is the story of how a broken world is going to be put back together again. Here is the story about how all that God wanted and all that God intended is going to come to pass. It has gone wrong. It needed to be put right. And now it has, declares John. God's world has been delivered, restored, made new, saved through the death and the rising of Jesus. It was, he says, the first day of the week. It is the new creation beginning. It is the fresh start promised in the Old Testament prophets, not least promised in Isaiah chapter 55. Jesus rising from the dead was not just some happy ending after the events of Holy Week. It is a glorious announcement that as Jesus himself had said on the cross, it is finished, it is done with, I have overcome. God is victorious. And the rising of Jesus is also the first fruits of a new creation made possible because Jesus finished, because Jesus overcame the forces of corruption and decay. And the gospel promise is that God will do for all His people, and God will do for all of creation what He did for Jesus that first Easter Sunday. Resurrection will come. New life awaits. Not merely coming back to life like Lazarus, then to die again, and certainly not just our souls somehow continuing in some non-bodily life forevermore. No, in the beginning is linked to first day of the week to say that God's recreation, His completing of the purposes of redemption are both with us here and now, though only in part. But we can have real solid hope for their completion at the end of time. The first day of the week, resurrection, recreation is on the way. But why? Why are these fruits of the new creation not all here now? Why was Easter Saturday necessary, or even was it necessary? Well, of course, one thing that Easter Saturday emphasizes is that Jesus really did die on the cross. Although not even Easter Saturday is enough for some people. For some have come up with the idea, trying to explain away the resurrection, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. That although He'd been wounded, 
Remember, he had a spear stuck in his side. Although he'd been wounded, although he was worn out, worn out by the terrible agonies that are crucifixion, even though he was stuck away without any medical care, no food and no water for a couple of days, he somehow came to life and pushed away the stone from inside the tomb and then escaped without the guards noticing. Or maybe he overpowered these experienced Roman soldiers. Well, you don't need faith to believe that version of events. You just need stupidity. Now, the waiting of Saturday, which of course fulfilled the Jewish Sabbath laws, also made clear that what Jesus had gone through, Jesus really had died. But there is a bigger question here. It is, why, if God was wanting to restore His creation, why, if God was wanting to put the wrong right, why was Jesus rising simply the first fruit, simply the beginning? Why did God not sort it all out right there and then? Well, we're reminded in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah chapter 55 that God's ways are very different. And not just are they different, they're better. For in this time between the rising of Jesus and the return of Jesus, here is a time for people to find the truth of this gospel, to become part of the kingdom of God. It's a time for us to find our place and our part in the story. And so comes the invitation at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 55. Come, 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 come. Four times in that one verse, Isaiah says, come. This is urgent. This is important. This is good news. This is a great offer, a better offer than you're ever going to get elsewhere. It's an invitation for all people everywhere. Nations that you know not, verse 5, will be summoned. Isaiah shouts it out four times, not least because there's a lot of competition. He's like, you know, the market trader used to see in a busy market as you, as you walk down through the stalls of the market, so there'd be people trying to advertise what they were selling. Two for the price of one, 30% off, come and get your grapes, only such and such a pound, and, and so on. All these voices crying out, and it's as if Isaiah's in amongst all of that, and he's shouting, come, 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 because people do get distracted and go to the other stalls. People, people opt for other things for peace and happiness. People seek fulfillment in a career or their sex life, their possessions, their leisure pursuits, their relationships. Now, all of these are good things. None of them is intrinsically evil but none of them are God. None of them are a source of eternal peace, and none of them bring, bring peace in a way that is overall part of a big peace for all of creation. For each of them do harm as well as do good. Careers often come at the cost to family life or a cost to other people who are overlooked for promotion. We hear plenty of negative fallouts and consequences 
of sex gone wrong, of illicit affairs, unwanted pregnancies, disease, and the evil of prostitution and sex trafficking. Possessions are often got, yes, by our hard-won earnings, but often we're learning, but too slowly, but learning, we get them at a cost to the environment, a cost to those who work in sweatshops elsewhere. We get them at a cost to those who maybe cannot have what we have but want it and find themselves going into incredible debt to get it. Leisure pursuits damage as well as provide enjoyment. Many a small rural community, for example, in our country is on its knees now because there's so many second homes bought. There's not been the business through all the year to keep the shop open, etc., etc. And in many other parts of the world, the opulence of tourists is a sickening reminder to the locals of their entrapment in poverty. Relationships can, and they do sour, cause grief and hurt and nastiness. And each of these things, which is good, but each of them also harms. And they are not sources of fulfillment for everyone. They are not accompanied by justice. And they are not everlasting. But here, says Isaiah, is something that is. Here is God's salvation. So come and get it, he offers. Make sure that it's not just something that God has done, but something that you take and receive and become part of. And these other things that you might pursue, seeking fulfillment and happiness, they cost. You have to work hard to get a successful career. You have to be good. You have to watch your P's and Q's in many a relationship. You have to keep yourself looking young and attractive to others, or spending hours training to keep fit, and so on and so on. Now, again, the things might not be wrong in themselves, but the point is they are not God and they are not God's salvation, and they are not the fruits of Easter. So, what does God demand so that you may get the fruits of Easter, that you can have resurrection life in His new creation? Simply that you come. There is nothing to pay, verse 1, because and this we looked at back in chapter 53 a few weeks ago, God has paid for it in the sacrifice of His servant. So, why invest yourself? Why spend on that which ultimately cannot provide peace and fullness of life, asks Isaiah verse 2. For God is willing. Verses 6 and 7 in the passage tell us that. They have words like, he may be found, he is near, will show mercy, will freely pardon. But these verses also have a warning. While he may be found implies that there will be a time when he cannot be found, a day when the market is shut, when the whole of creation completes that transition from Saturday to Easter Sunday, and then it will be too late to seek, too late to choose. So, here, Isaiah's urgency, come now to Christ, the living Savior, who is the first fruits of the new creation, who brings in this salvation that will be based on justice and fairness and peace and harmony, not just for a few, but for all who are in His kingdom. And you enter His kingdom freely. 
You don't have to pay. You simply recognize that Jesus paid it on the cross and accept that free gift. But still, there's a bit of Saturday around, isn't there? The promises in the second half of Isaiah 55 are promises that are future ones. Had it been up to us, and thank the Lord it wasn't up to us, but were it up to us, we might have wrapped everything up right away. But then there would have been no invite to the nations, no opportunity for people to come, to see, and to find. God's salvation, verses 8 and 9, turns our ideas and our notions upside down and inside out. And we saw that as we looked in the, in the, earlier in our series in Isaiah 53. And if you missed them, the sermons are still available online. God's ways are different and more loving for all. And His ways and His Word, verses 10 and 11 tell us, will bear fruit. There were in Isaiah 53 promises about a servant, and much later than when Isaiah had written these words, Jesus came. And Jesus fulfilled all that Isaiah had spoken of in that chapter. And in fact, Jesus did more than Isaiah said in that chapter. And so too, God's promises of new creation, of resurrection for all His people will come to pass. That is what is being declared. More than that, that is what is being begun as the resurrected Jesus walks out of the tomb that first Easter Sunday. The day is still to come, verse 13 of Isaiah 55, as he looks forward to the transformation and when the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. Of course, the thorn bush, verse 13, represents the curse, the intrusion of evil into the world. See that back in Genesis chapter 3 at verse 18. The day is coming, says Isaiah, when the curse will be reversed and creation will be made new. In the meantime, just as Jesus entered into our sinful world, and just as Jesus brought the kingdom of God realities and values to bear on everyday life, so now that is for the church, the followers of Jesus, the people of God to do. We are not in our Easter Saturday to sit back and wait, twiddling our thumbs, hoping for something to change. The church is called to bear the hurts, the joys, the trials, the opportunities of the world. We are to call out to the world to come, but also, as Jesus did, enter into the realities of the world and live with and among them. Now, I hope to say something more midweek, putting something out midweek to say something more about our response in the time of the um, pandemic. But for now, to say just that in these times, even though we live with the promise of Easter, and without denying any of the gospel promises of the Holy Spirit with us and so on, and without denying anything of the taste of eternity that is in the here and now, we should also be dealing with and offering up the sense that things have gone wrong, and we should be learning better how to lament how far we have strayed, how far the values of Easter have been overtaken. 
been overtaken as so many people have refused the invitation to come. And we should learn better how to lament, because we as a society have spent so much, verse 2 of 55, Isaiah 55, we have spent so much on that which does not satisfy. To lament and to take the reality of the kingdom of God into everyday life is a big, big call, a huge task. It asks us to pursue beauty, to be reconcilers, to engage in causes for justice, to care for creation, to celebrate all that is good and worthy, and also to lament with the hearts of the world, but also to say, come, Christ is ready and willing to receive. We need to lament that this Easter weekend, so much of the world's experience is of Saturday, of death and decay, and not of Easter renewal. Worse, we need to lament that so much of the church's experience this Easter is just the death and decay of Saturday, and not an Easter renewal. And so we must throw ourselves on to the mercy of God, and that too costs nothing. And we must pick up the call and the challenge that just as Jesus, via the suffering servant way, identified with His people and brought the good news to many, so too will God today still work in our world through His servants, through His people. Today we have Easter Sunday because the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53, the suffering servant Jesus was willing to pay the price, willing to engage on God's behalf. Would that more of our society, more of our friends, more of our networks, more of our community could taste something of the reality of Easter Sunday because the people of God have learned, learned from Jesus to share, to identify, to enter into the Saturday experience in order that for the sake of others, the hope and the goodness of the gospel might yet be tasted. Let us pray. So, gracious God, might we know both the joy and also the challenge of Easter. And if, Lord, we are folk who have not yet come, folks who have not yet given our lives to Jesus, might we seek Him while He may be found. Remembering that for those who seek, He is near. He will show mercy. He will freely pardon. Amen. Our service continues with that theme of invitation. Come, people of the risen King is our hymn. And after we've sung this hymn, we will confess our faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Um, and then we shall be led in prayer. <laughs>